Hello, and welcome to the October edition of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Pod. I'm Rob. I'm Jen, Anthe's proud mother. <laughs> and I'm David, proud father of nothing and no one but possibly kaiju and cats. And today, today's guest, who we had to delay because, well, we suck at scheduling. Anyway, here's our guest, finally. I'm Christine, and I'm the mother of narrative video games. <laughs> yeah, bold statement, but I, I I accept that. Oh, you're the serial of video games. Neat. Mm. So, so yes, for once, finally, not only do we have an even balance of men and women, we also have an even balance of Americans and Canadians. <gasps> oh, yeah. Wow, are we technically CanCon now? I think so. We we can now be played yeah. on Canadian radio. What? Don't you have to? I thought the CanCon content was smaller. I thought it was like twenty percent or something. Is it higher than thirty? Well, I think you. It's s- like it's it's like a checklist. It's a yeah. very complicated procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, we play a little Carly Rae Jepsen in the background. We'll be all set. Hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And as listeners of this podcast will know. Uh, this is a monthly podcast in which we go episode by episode through Gridman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And this week's episode is episode 10, Collapse. Yeah, we are getting close oh, to the oh, end yeah. here, uh, and it's definitely, you know, narratively all climaxing. Uh <laughs> And yet still very confusing. Yes, I mean, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's also fair. However, we uh, we open up with uh, essentially the the revelations of last episode, which seem to imply that uh, much like Billy Moomy in that Twilight Zone episode, uh, Akane Shinjo has sort of dreamed this entire city all of its residents and its uh, recurring kaiju problem. Free will is a lie. <laughs> also, memories are fake. Yes. And everybody's kind of coming to terms with the fact that they may be nothing but the uh, the dreams of a mad god. And yeah, it's oh, yeah. Uh, it's appropriately heavy. Everybody's just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, uh, uh, an undercurrent of some uh, existential dread brought about by the fact that Akane Shinjo is the writer of this world. And what if she doesn't like you anymore and writes you out? And what does memory even mean if you're not real? What does real mean? Yeah. Utsumi is thinking about, like, his life that has nothing to do with her and wondering, you know, if she just gate like made up all those memories which i guess does sort of beg the question of uh to what degree she would do this as a detail matter and how much of it's procedurally generated i i'm guessing probably alexis carib is the like program that procedurally generates this this particularly impressive iteration of dwarf fortress (laughs) Well, remember, these guys are kind of the main characters, though, so they probably have more detailed backstories, whereas, you know, you just grab a guy on the street, he might get, you might get a name, Tops. Yeah. 
She's also Are definitely like unaware of some stuff, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, the 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 recycle shop two doors down, it turns out, was just <laughs> happening under her nose the entire time. Yes. Where where she? Well, can she really remember in. all the garbage she threw out? Oh. Uh, we'll get to that. That that that's kind of the the theme of this episode, possibly. The closeness of your own trash you don't remember. <laughs> As I look around my room and I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of toys and yeah, you know, USB like, dongles. Thinking about that line, she's she's you know saying this like it's all the stuff she's thrown out, but she's not very good at throwing stuff out given given the state of her room. <laughs> I mean, so, literally, well, yes. Just, just covered in bags. Part of the yes. Bags I, I which think are, are questionable contents, although probably they're all filled with old kaiju she's thrown out and used before. <laughs> probably. I, I think it's fair to say that both in her immediate and more extended environment, she's definitely, uh, got a case of the sort of uh, depressive dissociation where you have all this your your place is a mess and you don't notice because you're too busy like with your internal life and and this at this point in the series it really I mean Akane is got some heavy depression because everything's sort of getting away from her uh, at the same time that everyone else is dealing with the fact that oh my god we're are we even people and also, your depressive fantasy is just more depression. You're fantasizing about still not being able to take out the trash, which is... That's some heavy stuff. Oh. Yeah, that's like... Okay. That's some Twitch streamer level stuff. Like, in here. There was apparently before- a thing with them recently, the big, like, gaming streamers, just showing off how much trash they had not thrown out. So I, I guess maybe that's no. the lifestyle she's aspiring to. Uh, that, the well, I can't think of a good segue to that. Before we get too deep into the episode, uh, Christine, is there some stuff you'd like to plug first? Oh, that's a good point. Get oh, into yes. that. We, we yeah, kind of skipped sure. over that part. <laughs> like, who, who are you? Why did we bring you on here? I'm Christine. Um, like I said, I'm a narrative game designer. Right now, I'm working on an RPG about a lesbian road trip RPG called Get in the Car, Loser. Um, and... You can find out more about that on our website, Get in the Car Loser. I've been working on this. It'll be out sometime in the next year. Just been showing it off, been getting the combat down. It's uh hopefully it'll be fun. You're you're not doing that whole AAA programmer crunch. <laughs> no, I've learned that it turns out taking care of yourself is really important. Uh yes. I've I've made that mistake in the past and it's not good. Good. And it's you know, good that you are your own boss in this context and and do not have like the the hatchet of electronic arts bosses over your head. Um, well, just because you're your own boss doesn't mean you have good work ethic or like good uh good good habits. So that's always yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so. and uh while waiting for your next game to come out, you already have other games. Uh Lady Killer in a Bind is out on Steam and the other stuff. That's out. right. Yeah, Lady Killer in a Bind, Analog of Hate Story, our visual novels that I've done in the past, both on Steam. Yes. yes, and fun, and I need to get more endings in Lady Killer in a Binder. What was the full long, long title? 
The full title is My Twin Brother Made Me Cross-Dress as Him and Now I Have to Deal with the Geeky Stalker and a Dawn Beauty Who Want Me in a Bind and that's why I just call it Lady Killer in a Bind for short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and I, I will say, which no one here, and by here I mean like including our extended audience cares about, they do run on Linux. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> no one cares about Linux, but me. I mean, and presumably Linus Torvald. Hey, it was it was a it was a question on Jeopardy the other day. Ooh, exciting! You just had to know what operating system was created by Linus Torvalds. Oh, that's, oh, that's hard. such an easy question. Mm. I mean, that, that anyway, you know, that's easy for us, but for a lot of people, eh, probably not so easy. Yes, for people who are not know, but... huge nerds. Well, I suppose if you don't know anything about computers at all, you may never heard of Linux. But anyway. have you seen the people who watch Jeopardy? This is fair. They're old people. But uh, to to segue from Christine Love, uh, creator of Digital Worlds, back to Akane Shinjo, creator of this digital real world filled with people. Nice transition. Good job. Sometimes they even have the same hair color. Oh. This needs more. Uh... I, I want to see an adaptation of this with more RPG menus, though. <laughs> <laughs> menus. I love menus. I'm not even being funny. Superhuman Samurai Superhuman Samurai They're gonna amp it up It's a so she is having a she's having a bit of a dream in which the people that she has uh, committed death by kaiju to are coming back. Oh. <laughs> we get to see Psykill Chan again and other people. <laughs> Tonkawa lives. Tonkawa. It's the uh Octopunch one, I think? Or is it the uh, the Straxus um, one? Uh, Octopunch and Straxus are still alive. They're still in other classrooms. <laughs> Maybe that's how she broke them to begin with. Oh, okay. Well, they might have been in this classroom scene, but they, they weren't with uh, <laughs> Psykeel and her four volleyball friends, and then a bunch of other people just pop up in the foreground <laughs> to haunt yes. Akane as she's because dreaming it's a dream. in a weird room. Yes. Poor kid. And did she indeed she wakes up having fallen asleep with her glasses on, which is always a mistake. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, that'll hurt. It's either that or somebody threw a rock at her, so I can't think of how else you would uh you know, it's difficult to break a modern pair of glasses like that. <laughs> well they're uh wire rimmed, so that makes it a little easier. But yeah, again, mm. she doesn't take good care of her stuff. This is true. <laughs> As as is this the theme here? And uh, you know, Alexis Care really just wants her to get back to work with the kaijuing because uh, real humans don't need sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a strange line. Uh-huh. It's one of those things that that's just like a, sounds like kind of cruel, but it <laughs> might also just be cosmologically like meaningful in this in this world. Well, I mean, I guess no. if this is like if this is just a projection of her into a fantasy world. I guess she wouldn't need sleep because maybe her real self is asleep or 
something. I'm again. I'm very much not quite. I haven't quite figured out what's going on here yet. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is. I, I mean, I want to say gaslighting, but not in the sense of you know him being cruel and being like you shouldn't need to sleep because you know sleeping is for the weak, but like in the sense of what he's hiding, you know, what he may be hiding from her about the nature of their relationship, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, about what, how real she is in this world that, you know, th- this may be the <laughs> fact of her nature now, but it's a straightforwardly untrue statement. So that that is very interesting. So we, uh, we, we cut back to the uh, the junk shop and uh, once again, Utsumi has been kicked in the shins because he has got to really <laughs> man up, even though he's not a real person. It's an off-screen <laughs> kick, and there were off-screen kicks last episode that I didn't count, but there was one main we did see on screen. So I'm counting this as <laughs> official shin kick number eight, Ooh. even though we don't okay. actually see it. But we definitely see him rubbing his shin afterwards. And, uh, yes. Vor just loves to destroy tall people's shins. Such a happy little I boy. mean, relatable. But yeah, like I said, this is like some heavy stuff to have to deal with, uh, but also they are students and have tests and stuff they have to worry about because, you know, reality, but also Japan. So once again, they are trying to figure out what's going on with, uh, you know, how even though they did leave the city, it as we saw in that scene with the the sort of flying rocks it seems that that part that uh, the area they went to was sort of constructed for them to go to and then was deconstructed as they left Yep, or yep. at very least just neglected and, and left again to just procedurally generate itself into entropy mm-hmm. so, the, so they decide to uh, they decide to you know they're going to take the fight to uh to Akane, and they are going to go to her house. <laughs> Caliber goes very slowly out the door because his swords. Oh, oh! He actually he has learned how to get out the door with his swords on his own. Like in any other previous time, he needed help holding them out of the way. This is the first time we've seen him actually go through a door with his swords under his own power. And, and yeah, um, I forget if we actually pointed out the line specifically it, at least it was last episode they did say she lives nearby literally next door it's 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 my favorite gag of the entire show they just walk out walk like 20 feet and walk up to Akane's door <laughs> yes. real nearby <laughs> yes uh, th- there's no answer they just you know kind of rip the door open but it turns out that inside, it's just that weird-ass 90s virtual reality city from dun, dun, was, dun. we previously saw in the sky several episodes ago. And kind of just looks like what would have happened if they had made a sequel to Tron in 1994. <laughs> yes, it's very accurate. So, I mean, uh, so that... Uh, so that didn't work, and so now they're back to speculating as to what is going on with all those weird background smoke kaiju 
that have been hanging also, around since the first yeah. episode. They do get into her apartment by Max ripping off the door. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I have a question for dick. you. Why? Why do you think her house is just next door? Because this is a world she made. Why is she next door? I don't think this world is as well is as well inhabited as it looks. I think it just looks like a big city, but like you know, this is anime, so we don't actually look at like what are the edges, like what what are all the buildings here? And I suspect like Mm. most of this is just nothing that's outside of what she notices really exists, and like that's where her childhood friend is, right? Yeah, and it yes, may be it it may be that uh, just you know at, when she shows up later, she talks about you know the stuff she's thrown out. So it may just be that the place where all the junk goes sort of organically sprang up next to <laughs> the one actual person generating anything with with any re- <laughs> reality. I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of less an actual city and more like uh, more like a set. Um, yeah, this is a kind of a weird uh, thing to compare this to, but in uh, in Scream Three, Nev Campbell goes to like they're they're making a movie of the events of the first movie, and she goes to the set that's based on her house from the first movie, mm-hmm. and there's sort of an action scene that mm-hmm. re- replicates a chase from that first movie, but then she opens a door and there's nothing behind it because it's just a set, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's sort of uh, what happened with uh, uh, Akane's house here. And mm-hmm. also why these yeah. buildings are right next to each other. Because there's no need for there to be any space between them. They're just, those are the important buildings, so they're close together. Yeah. Yeah. That works. I think that makes a lot of sense for, like, her actual apartment as well. Like, would there actually be an apartment complex? No. I mean, she, she never she never goes outside. She's obviously never going to see these neighbors. Yeah. So it's just, it's just void. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, they, they are speculating that these are... Some coin- that these are some sort of poison smoke monsters, which didn't didn't uh, didn't the smog mo- monster fight Godzilla in the eighties? Uh, yes. Well, the the smog monster in this show is um based upon the Gridman monster of uh, Verona, which was a poisonous fog monster in the original Gridman. Hmm. Wow. Yes, the, the big guys are copies. Uh, big, of uh, were they big Romeo? Hmm? Were they big Romeo and Juliet fans? No, it's just a <laughs> monster from one of the early episodes who dies pitifully, I think. Like, it just gets digitized into little particles and stuff like most monsters. Oh, I, I was thinking by pitifully, maybe like he took a potion that uh, that, that simulated death, uh, yeah. then prompting no. another kaiju who was in love with him to uh, like stab itself with a giant no, no, Ultraman no, no. sword. If that mm-hmm. possibly, well, no, I, I think the potion was too strong for him, and he could not handle the potions. Traveler, I don't, I don't think the god of this world is that well cultured. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it, 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 this yeah, world is built I think upon memes. This, this goes back a little bit to a uh, a conversation that we were having uh, prior to the actual podcast starting uh, that that we will actually touch on again uh, about certain memes seeming to sort of cycle through the internet based on like when that thing usually shows up in high school student curriculum, <laughs> like the whole cask oh. of Amontillado thing. 
uh, which basically entirely exists as a meme because it's taught in high school and high schoolers what, get it to is? it, especially around this thing. time of year because it's spooky. So. Okay, that that's cool. I I somehow seem to have missed a lot of these things. Maybe Jersey was just backwards when I was a kid. I, did I, not I definitely Casco took Montiato Task. Until uh, last did. year. Oh, wow. No, I got, uh, we, or, we did no, it in high school. earlier this year. I, I am going to say something appallingly nerdy here, but, uh, I, I can't always keep track of what I actually read as an assignment and what I read in my personal time. Because Nerd. in high school. Well, I, I read. Blur together a bit. You, you know why I took it upon myself to read Moby Dick of, of my own volition? Was because there was an issue of Matrix Quest based on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes stuff like that happens. All right, I'm. Same, I, I'm same with the Maltese Falcon. I, I am 400 pages Ooh. in, and the Walrus Man hasn't shown me up yet. But I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, but but the Walrus Man is the captain. Anyway, um. Anyway. Uh, no, I think the talk- Walrus Man was Paul. <laughs> no. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Um. Anyway, at some point in here, we come back to the classroom and, well, we do know that Akane's um, dream mind artificial world at least has some interest in fashion because we get to see Thundercracker Chan and her wonderful jacket again. Yes. Doing her girlfriend's yes. hair. Such a good jacket. Oh. When can I get that jacket? I need it. I love it. I know. I have not seen that ever. I'm, I'm still amazed that that hasn't become an actual jacket. Well, presumably there's a cosplayer out there somewhere who's made it, but... It's just so tasteful. <laughs> this is fashion. It's so loud. I want it. It's beautiful. And that cartoon jet on the back of it. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's so it's good. It's more like a shark. Yes. <laughs> yeah, her, her and her girlfriend, who are just friends, clearly. <laughs> they aren't. Talking about why Akane isn't there. Yes, the uh, she is. Uh, she's now skipping school. I, I guess because she allegedly has a cold. I mean, what are they gonna do when when it's basically you're just making these making everything in the world up as you go? You can be like, I don't feel like going to school. You guys continue doing your little procedurally generated school over there, and I'm just gonna be feeling sorry for myself. And of course, they all miss her, even though she is a weird loner, because they were made to miss her. Yeah, that's, well, that, that's the thing. That, that's another issue. It, it's a very much an anime thing, but it's more weird when you think about it. She made herself the most popular person in the school, but she has so little to do with anyone in the school. She's mysterious. And is constantly rejecting any attention. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes you mysterious. But, I mean, I guess she just wants the attention just to reject it. Yeah, yeah that's a very teenager thing to do. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, like I said, they, I'm sure they think that she's very interesting and mysterious in her, you know, not talking to anyone and clearly thinking she's better than anyone else. Anyway, cut to her being negged by Alexis Carib. Because he's a jerk. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, listen, he again, he kind of has a point, because this kaiju that she hands him, it's pretty crummy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, depression is hard. 
Yeah, you can't be creative all the time. Sometimes your drawings come out like shit, or sculptures come out like shit, or writing or whatever. I'm I'm just going to have to throw something out because somebody wants. Something. I'm just going to say and I'm going to try not to belabor this, but as as someone who has dealt a lot with very bad depression in recent years, this entire especially ending arc was just extremely painfully relatable and I feel very sorry for this yeah. villain. Yeah. Th- this this monster doesn't even actually have a name. In Japanese it's called Nanashi, which means <laughs> Anonymous. This is a Ooh. nameless monster. Oh. It's it looks terrible. I love it. It well, it it looks like a, a, as much as possible like a soft vinyl toy. Yeah, because you can even see where the neck rotates. Yes, on, on the little vinyl toy. But, and also, but its head is sideways. It it was pointed out in. Uh, that that reference thread that you pasted for us uh, by our our occasional also co-host Mockdent uh, that yes because he's the got, number one reference I use for my notes on the show yes it's got little eye holes like it was an actual yes, costume in the neck. It's got little dimples it's got all the little yeah which you can notice on a lot of uh, lighter old kaiju costumes like there's faint little holes poked in the neck so the Suit actor could just barely see out. Yes. Just not enough to not fall over. You know, I've I've mentioned how much of a kick I get out of them like staying loyal to that that sort of thing. You know, they they absolutely mm-hmm. do not have to do that sort of thing, but they are absolutely going to and I just love and respect that so much. But yes. but yeah, they And I mean mm. Also, that's like a Kane's frame of reference, right? Like she's a kaiju fan, yeah. so obviously she's going to make these to look like actual, you know, like the monster she's familiar and knows have design rules. Right? Yeah. She's yeah, it, it's going to make them look like they're supposed to look. She's going to try to make them. That's what in. happens when fans are responsible for designing. Yeah, just... Michael Bay. Yes. Yeah, as, <laughs> as opposed to well, no, I can go on. A, I can go on a short tangent about an official thing. In um, I think it was like. Uh, 1980, I think it was. There was an Ultraman anime. Japan. And currently, uh, Tsuburai is putting it up every week. They're putting up a new episode of that old show and then taking it down the next week, which is really annoying if you miss a week yeah. of that show. One episode at a time. And watching wow. it, it's, um, it's old, so you don't expect a lot of it, but it's also kind of garbage to a degree. It's not subtitled, so I'm missing a lot of there. But most of the monsters just look like, oh, here's a cartoon dinosaur, or here's an octopus monster. They're not designed like normal Ultraman monsters, and it's kind of disappointing. I mean, other than one episode where they had a Baltan Sajin in, which is an actual Ultraman monster, most of the monsters have been completely forgettable, just un-Ultraman-like monsters. It's weird. Whereas this show is the complete opposite. These are these could be suits tomorrow. Yes, and and they do have. Is is it like an entire stage show they do? Because I know there's an anti suit, as well as a, a gridman suit, who is not as interesting as. Anti. I don't know if they've done stage shows of it because well, there are Ultraman and other Tokusatsu. They do little stage shows, which are I've seen videos of them online. I want I, next time I go to Japan, if I ever go to Japan again, I want to go to one of those and see it live with a bunch of children cheering around me because it's ridiculous. I'll have fun, but yeah, they made an actual Gridman uh, Gridman of the series, and there's an anti costume 
Um, I, I think that may have been the only two suits they made. I don't know if they participated in any Ultraman stage shows, but they were on for like anytime they were promoting uh, CDs or whatever for the series or release of things. They dragged them out and they look great. Yes. But yeah, I've, I've definitely seen those. And, and you know, that's, and I'll have a little more to say about that whole thing conceptually a little later in the episode. Uh, but it, it does look like a very half-assed garbage kaiju. And again, I feel very bad yeah. for, oh, uh, for Akane. But uh, before, before, it, we get be, to the before fight. it goes from, Yes. Crummy sculpture to crummy gigantic kaiju. We get a uh, we get a bit where we, uh, we go back to school and we see that uh, Utsumi has decided to tamp down his existential crisis by focusing on his studies. And apparently, what he's studying uh, is the poetry of Robert Browning. But but I thought that was just the nerve slogan. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but. <laughs> We're going to take a little bit deeper digression because I actually Googled shit for once that wasn't kaiju related. Yes. This is sort <laughs> of like yeah, it's, uh, the it's a- thing about uh, the, the Neon Genesis Junior High kids sort of being a nod to that, but also being a nod to what that was originally named based on. So while I'm sure this is in here because it's, it's the nerve slogan, uh, I'm sure the... The other idea is that, you know, he's learning it because he is a student in school, and that is a poem you would learn in school. Again, if you're well, not reading Moby Dick because of Transformers. Yeah. It's an appropriate reference to Akane being God and, and Utsume trying to come to terms yeah, with... she knows anime. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, she yeah, absolutely knows anime that's heavily inspired by kaiju. But... The, the, I, I looked up, well, I looked up the line of the poem and came to Robert Browning and pointed out and, and, well, for one, it's a poem written by a guy named after a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, named after the Transformer. Yeah, after the Transformer Browning, who transforms basically like G1 Megatron, he's another little gun. And, uh, uh Rob, you said you had another association with this, this poem, which uh, yes, I will this- force you to read in a bit. Ah, uh, yes, it's actually my grandmother's favorite poem, and uh, she named her, uh, the, the poem is Pippa Passes, and uh, she named her last cat after it. That's, uh... As Passes? Ow. Uh, Pippa. Pippa. The cat was named Pippa. Oh, Pippa. And, st- and still remains named Pippa because my cousin inherited it. That, uh, that's oh. a little more cultured than me naming my cat after a very obscure Game of Thrones character, so <laughs> she has my respect. Oh. I mean, it was kind of an anomaly for her. The previous cat was named Frisky. Aww. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, you, you name it after how the cat is. But um... anyway, a uh, uh, poetry reading. And uh, well, unless anybody else wants to do it, Rob has the best reading voice. Okay. So do, uh, uh, which... the, the known part first. Well, right. the, the first part from right. the year. Okay. The years at the spring and days at the morn. Mornings at seven, the hillsides dew-pearled, the larks on the wing, the snails on the thorn. A god's in his heaven, all's right with the world. And this is from a, well, it's a verse, poem, story thing that uh, has to do with regicide, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! 
It's a long poem. It goes a lot of places. Are we talking about Fire Emblem again? <laughs> well, yes. It, it's much longer than that. <laughs> but the, it's a it's a quote from Evangelion that is discussing the nature of a god that is also partially about regicide. Yay! There's a lot of shit going through Utsumi's mind that could be purely accidental from the choice of this. I mean, gods and kings. There's a spot later in the poem. I don't know if I'm going to force Rob to read it. Oh, is this the one with uh, uh, the one butt at night, Brother Howlett? Part? I can read this. Yeah, okay. If you'd prefer. Like James Howlett? Uh, no, boy, uh, although, you know, Paul Jenkins is British. I wonder if that's where he got it. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Uh. But at night, Brother Howlett, far over the woods, Toll the world to thy shantry, Sing to the bats' sleek sisterhoods, Full complines with gallantry. Then owls and bats, cows and twats, Monks and nuns in a cloister's moods, Adjourn to the oak stump pantry. Ah, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the twats in there was because Robert Browning did not know what that meant. He saw it yeah, cause in he, something and thought a reference to a nun's twat, and he thought that meant her like nun hat. Yeah, yeah that's it was not from, what that means. It was from like uh, hmm. a nur- an older nursery rhyme that was like, they talked of his having cardinal's hat. They'd sent him as soon as an old nun's twat. <laughs> it, so he he thought twat. We're saying this quite a lot, and, and it's uh, the cursiest episode so far. He thought that was a nun's habit, because apparently he didn't ask anyone and just stuck it in this long poem <laughs> of his. Uh, that's men. That's men for you in a nutshell. Yes. Listen, we... I'm glad the cat wasn't named after that verse. <laughs> <laughs> also, like that was probably like uh, when the term started becoming slang for what it is mm-hmm. at the time, and, and he just didn't bother to ask. Listen, we didn't have oh, Urban Dictionary back then. There was no way of finding these things out. <laughs> no. That's fair. Ask a small street urchin. <laughs> Although, admittedly, you're going to get five different answers. Like, ah, oh, that's what my mom calls my cat. You the, you there, boy. <laughs> what day is it? What is a twat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll have the bobbies coming around for you in no time. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a digression. Let's get to a monster fight. So I, I do have to say that Utsume here is extremely relatable to modern times with the whole, like, the world is maybe gonna end and maybe we're not even real people and we're having this whole existential crisis, but also we still need to be doing our everyday schoolwork and everything. And and I feel like that's very timely lately. Yeah. yeah, he is the everyman of the show. But, you know, he's doing his studying because, like, that's a familiar thing to do. But also, he doesn't quite realize that he's a secondary character. <laughs> if 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 Akane isn't around, it didn't happen. Yes, if, is, is he going to graduate without her? That doesn't seem very likely. No. Well, again, procedurally generated graduation. It just keeps running in the background. It's it's just a very very high end war fortress mod. Well, it's it's either that or this is like The Simpsons, and he's just going to be in the same grade for the next twenty eight years and not realize right. it. That's also entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Oof! Oh, what a hard. I mean, that feels like what Akane's fantasy is, right? Ah. Like this is her in a low stakes high school, and he has not realized this. 
Yeah, I mean, hmm. she's she can just set her, you know, set her social setting to popular and <laughs> set her grades to high and not actually yeah. show up for a week. So yeah, I mean, if I could do that, I might just stay in high school forever too. Yeah, just uh, you know, wait for next season. Let's see what the gang gets up to this year. Well, I feel like that's just really interesting because, like, it's you know, a fantasy of high school going well, but clearly she doesn't actually know what that looks like. Like, she's getting what she wants. She's popular. It's going fine. It's not stressful. And you, you know, clearly, this is not actually working in any way for her. Yeah, she's got this idea, yeah, and she can't actually imagine what it looks like. Yeah, definitely hiding in your room all the time is is not what it looks like when you're super popular. Yeah. So, so she's like like a recluse's view of what high school is, and she's effectively god modded herself as the main character in like a daughter raising sim. Yes. <laughs> and then doesn't know what to do from there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Akane is sort of trying it's almost like there's that and then also uh Alexis Carib is trying to make this entirely separate game happen. It's like, okay, let's fight and have kaiju and and do all this stuff and her enthusiasm for that is not not always on par with his i mean also he's not really doing much like it's not it's very easy for him to say yeah he's not even having to go to school <laughs> he's just kind of the cheering section here he's not even taking out the trash for her geez yeah no yeah he should at least be taking out the trash although i I kind of wish there was a scene of him, like, going to school, bringing her her lunch. I mean, there was... <laughs> Everybody no-selling it. There was a couple episodes ago when she introduced him as as her cosplay butler. So he should be butling. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred was making Batman lunch. Huh? should still be doing butler things. And not just being on fire. Anyway, before we get to the uh, the main monster fight, that we've got a bit of a bit of an undercard here, with uh, oh yeah, with with uh, with everybody's favorite one eyed hobo, <laughs> my baby, Auntie. I love him so much. Yeah, he's having a nice, well, dramatic. Well, it's mostly fought in the fog, but there's one real backlit silhouette that looks awesome of Auntie fighting Caliburn. And- you do not bring an angle grinder to a sword fight. <laughs> I mean, he does because that's all he's got. Because that's what his original toy had. Yes. I kind of wonder if them being so based on this Transformers stuff is actually like textual. Like Akane is also really into like obscure Transformers stuff but that's just not as much of the plot as the kaiju so like I mean does Akane like superheroes I thought she didn't like I thought she sort of she likes like kaiju without superheroes yeah I guess there was a point where she was complaining uh, that a full powered grid man was just a big robot 
So, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that is. Yeah, she seems like a genre purist. She likes like just normal kaiju only. So maybe that's none of the, none of this Ultraman stuff. That's <laughs> yes. that's no fun at all. So, so maybe that is a good point that that she would not be interested in that, and it's just metatextual. But I I like Anti. And they just kind of have a fight here. They kind of just have a fight here to have a fight. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty, though. Oh, well, it, it looks great. It does It does lead up to the rest of the episode, but it, it's, it's an incidental reminder that he has an antagonistic relationship, but sort of on a friendly way with Caliber. Well, yeah, and Caliber mm-hmm. tells him that, you know, you're... You know, okay, so, you know, your your purpose is to crush Gridman, but what do you do if you crush Gridman? <laughs> He's like, uh, I have crushed Gridman then. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, not thinking through the consequences of what happens when you get what you want is a, definitely a running theme. Yes. He's uh, he, he's like a dog who's just been asked what he's going to do with that car once once he catches it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. considering the the previous episode uh, in in Dream, where they're like Gridman can't come out because they're trapped in that dream that that kaiju over there is causing, and he's just like Oculate. <laughs> He's like, I know what I must do. And he's just throwing himself at that kaiju because that's like, that, that's, that's the answer. That's the, that's the thing. Uh, Oh, I I guess this, this is a time to bring up something that, uh, Mock Dent mentioned in our last episode about foreshadowing and a poster that Akana had in her room of Gomorrah, who, uh, was introduced in a two-parter in Ultraman as, um, a misunderstood monster. He wasn't entirely evil. He was just getting in the way of things. And, and he, his subtitle was like, The Prince of Monsters. In that, like, he's come back a few times in different versions, but he's never entirely evil. And over time, in various series, he's become helpful to heroes and, and friends to Ultraman. <laughs> um, I wonder if that has anything to do with this episode. A, a oh. character going from an antagonistic relationship to uh, something more. Mm. I like how something more makes it sound romantic. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it is that time of the episode. It is time for the monster fight. But as noticed, as previously noted, this kaiju is pretty bad. Is just kind of a, a, a lumpy blob of, you know, clay and it's making weird baby noises that I find very unsettling. This thing hurts yeah, to it, live. Sound it design just... is pretty good. Yeah. Everything My... about this, the fact that it has, like, all the little half-ass details that, you know, aren't polished out, like where its head would rotate and the eye holes and it's mouth. It's not really well colored. Yeah, it's just sort of... It's just a pink blobby flesh. It is. It's kind of... I mean, we saw her modeling clay, and it's really just still clay colored, and it's got this head that really just seems to have been stuck on. And and then it comes out and it starts making this horrible, horrifying... It just... It's really distressing. It hurts to live. 
This... It's like the it's like the eraser head baby. Yeah, it needs to be put out <laughs> of its misery. Yeah. And like it, the inside of its mouth is kind of horrifying because it has details of teeth, but they're flat. Like it's a yeah. Muppet mouth with just teeth drawn <laughs> on. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very eraser head baby, and that looking at it too long just is unsettling. Yeah, but thankfully it it gets breast fired really quickly and just well, falls the, down. Well, uh, yeah, the um, you know, Gridman sets out in his powered up mode, and there's this weird operatic music playing that I don't remember hearing before. Yeah, I think that's new. <laughs> Chanting something. It, it sounds really cool, but the battle is anticlimactic because this monster doesn't really put up a fight. It it dies immediately and doesn't even fall over or disintegrate or anything. Its corpse just its corpse just kind of stands there. Yeah, it just sort yeah. of flops there and is just not. I mean, again, its its face wasn't actually like moving or anything, but it it gets worse. It just it's dead. But it like there's nothing cool about this fight. It doesn't even feel good when he goes down. It doesn't feel like, you know, oh, Gridman did something really powerful. No, it's just not even in death is this thing impressive. Yeah, and even <laughs> the characters acknowledge that this thing is really weak and they just kind of feel bad for it. Yeah. And uh but at least and, but but hey, but, but something else happens. By God, King, that's Auntie's music. It's coming in with a steel chair. <laughs> Yay! It's my son, my angry, angry son. And and luckily, he's still got like bo- He's got like the full visor as a uh, as a kaiju. I was kind of I kind of thought he might just have like half a one now. No. <laughs> oh. Aww. Yeah, or or something. I hadn't thought of that. That would have been sad. Just like put a big eye patch over half the visor. <laughs> Anyway, and they and they fight for a little bit, but then Auntie just kind of derezzes. Yeah, he he kind of wears out. Really, his little blinking light blinks quicker because apparently he hasn't been eating well. I would guess Aww. that would make sense. <laughs> Poor guy he needs a meal. He needs some soup. But yeah, you said that was like something to do with like limitations in some of the Ultraman series, right? Yeah, well, pretty much every Ultraman series, I think every Ultraman series, like, yeah. he can only, like, survive in Earth's atmosphere for three minutes or whatever the excuse is. But after a while in a fight, his little light somewhere, usually on his chest, sometimes on his head, will start blinking. And then he, he has to get up energy and quickly defeat the enemy, or occasionally the Ultraman will die and come back in some result, some way. But yeah, the, the blinking light means oh, time's up. Uh, we've got run out of our three minutes of monster fight time. It's time to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it, his it, forehead light blinks, and then he turns back into a sad, exhausted, tiny boy. Yeah. And then I guess because you know everybody gets ejected back into their human forms, and I guess because Akane is out wandering the streets, uh, things don't reset, and we just get this giant kaiju corpse standing in the middle of the city. Yep, being gross. Yeah, just rotting yep. there. So we're, we're, you know, we're trying, you know, everybody's talking about this and how, you know, it, it is okay to kill the kaiju because they're not really alive. But now, because, uh, because Auntie has spent too much time living amongst people, he is now more or less a person, and it would be wrong to kill him. 
Yes. Yeah. Not doing a great job at being a person, but also, like, <laughs> definitely struggling with the same stuff that Akane is. He's yes. trying. He's trying so hard to be people. Yeah, he even brings her a trash umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's trying to not be people, but he's failing at that and ended up being becoming a people. And and Akane's like not having that and won't take his little umbrella because it's starting to rain after the monster fight. And she just completely rejects everything about him. Yeah, like you like you're not a kaiju anymore, man. You sold out. I she she says at least I don't know if this was a uh, a translation thing, but in the subtitle she says something about uh you know, seeing it in his eyes. And I'm like, you mean singular? <laughs> it was nice of her not to point that out. <laughs> but then she doesn't want him to look at her eyes. Well, and interestingly... In, yeah, we don't in see the... her eyes in that entire scene. She's staring at a wall. Usually we can see her eyes through her glasses, but in this episode, they've sort of gone opaque. It's like uh, looking at uh, Elijah Wood yeah. in Sin City. Yes. It, oh, well, yeah. Well, it's an anime trope thing. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was a deliberate thing. Yeah, it, it, it's Sin City was very much doing that anime trope of uh, reflective glasses at every angle. But yeah, yeah. she says a thing like, uh, "Do kaiju live and die for the sole purpose of being defeated?" Which is like, is, is that what kaiju are for? Which, and if, given if that's that not, she's... you can't even be good at that, Auntie. But you know, she's feeling like all she does now is be defeated so that's very much indicative indicative of you know where where she is right now so that's that's probably why she doesn't want him to look at her eyes yeah so it's about this time when this uh this giant dead kaiju uh tears open and Initially, I thought we were going to get, like, the actor coming out of the suit as kind of a weird meta thing, but instead it is a somewhat disturbing-looking monster that I'm just going to come out and say is strongly vaginal. <laughs> like, it's, um, it, it's very, it, it is more like an actor in a suit, because we see arms and legs, and they look like sort of normal human arm and leg proportions. They're just black and blue, and, and, and but then the rest of him comes out, and, um, yeah, he's, he's got sort of a um, clam face with, with a single... It looks like Georgia O'Keefe designed this monster. Uh, yeah, you kind know, of. Well, it's also... I didn't even think of any of that until you oh. brought it up. What? Oh. I mean, it's got really? like... Really? There's the shape, there's the eye. I feel like it's not super solid. I was distracted by the fact that this... Just, just the eye peeking out? With, the thing is, about the eye, is that's when I realized it, like, suddenly hit me. I was... I was now years old when I realized, oh, Evangelion really is basically a kaiju show. <laughs> Yeah. Because I didn't really have a good context for Ultraman stuff until very recently. <laughs> I was aware of it, but I didn't watch any of it. But I want It's definitely well disguised Ultraman fanfic if you're not super like if you're not familiar with with, yeah. with what he's coming from. Yeah, but this what feels with the eye that's very much like how a lot of the angels were designed as being sort of built around this this central focus like that. There's also the fact and I said earlier I would come back to this, but something I really, I really love 
that this thing starts moving like a weirdo. But- it is moving <laughs> distressingly. It's kind of half yes. guy in a suit, half one of those wacky waving inflatable tube guys. But it's yeah, I feel <laughs> like it's like it's not possible for this to be a guy in a suit. Like you could never. This is stuff that could only exist in animation. It's just so like yeah. it's flailing around, flying around. I I felt doing like doing stuff that like maybe if you had a good performance artist. Yeah, if you had like like one of the like a Cirque du Soleil guy in there or something, maybe. <laughs> well, I. I won't say it's not entirely like the. the it might be hard is, to make is, the suit contort that way, though. Yeah. Yes. Kind of. Okay. Here, here's the th- the coloration is a lot like um, Alien Metron from Seven or something. I forget which one that was with, with the yellow and red torso. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the eye it, it's not immediately entirely vaginal because it's jagged and not entirely vertical. Well, it is vertical, but it's a zigzaggy like shark's teeth or something with the eyeball in there. But yes, its movements. Don't entirely look human. I was, but they're they're. Um, Ultraman more recently has been involving a little bit of CG in their fights, not all the fights. So it, it it's contemporary, but he is moving ridiculously fast and all the spinning and bouncing like he's a spring made of monster. Yeah, I felt like it would be a a very acrobatic human with the uh, benefit of being, like, maybe sped up or some other kind of yes. very basic, non-computerized, but still special effects. Uh, yeah, like, like being sped up. Uh, but I think I was really too distracted by my sudden revelation about what has been one of my favorite anime series for 20 years like i don't know just out of nowhere and the fact that it it moves weirdly and it has the most horrifying laugh oh it it's like somebody cackling maniacally through a fast food drive-thru speaker yes so with all of that, I feel like this was like you know some shitty toy that just like makes an awful laugh every time you press the button on the back. Yeah, yeah like the batteries are kind of running down and uh, some yeah. of the circuits are corroded. It, it, yeah, it's it's either going to ask me if I want to supersize it or it's going to ask me if I want to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was distracted by everything else going on with this, so I I will not argue against that interpretation of it, but also it's super horrifying. I guess then we can maybe go into, like, some sort of deep thing about her being, like, afraid of her own budding sexuality. But I kind of feel like she's not given previous well, episodes. Yeah, well, there are, there are things that are said later in this episode that reference, like, this is the heart of Akane. Mm-hmm. It's, it's twisted and strange and unstable. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and so yeah, I suppose having this, like, iconic <laughs> genitalia. <laughs> I mean, I think it is the case that, like, this, this, this monster is unintentional. This, this, she was not trying to create this. This was just, like, what was inside her model that, like, was her half-ass version, and now it's doing something very weird that she did not expect. You know, this, the thing is the way... It's a creature from the id, like in Forbidden Planet. Well, you know, the way this thing, (laughs) the way it's designed, the outer, the the original form of it almost kind of looks like maybe she designed this, and like in maybe one of those dark, like, this-is-what-I-am kind of moods, 
and then slapped all this clay and all this ugliness just sort of half-acidly on top of it and, you know, hid that. So the thing that I actually thought seeing this was, like, that it's, like, you know, like, like the spine of this model. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's, like, yeah. making the model actually stand upright. It's just, like, the bones underneath. And it's got, like, these weird, like, things that look like wires for its limbs. Mm-hmm. That feel like, you know, they're probably really bendy and poseable. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see it in, in some of the other half-finished ones. You see, you build a wire armature and then just stick all the clay on it. But the central eye vaginal figure is... is hiding in there. Like I How just get there? I love metaphor. I love something <laughs> that that can abuse metaphors quite quite this degree and it makes me very happy. Uh but yeah. Metaphor is when you show a vagina and say that it's not one, yeah. right? That's that's what a metaphor is. Yes, that's that's exactly <laughs> what a metaphor is. When damn, nailed it. When it's a a clearly a <laughs> vagina but you're like, "No, that's a flower." Yeah, it's a flower. So it's 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 a vagina. It's a flower and it's ripping off his sword. Oh no. <laughs> Those are the best ones. It's like, oh, it's a it's it's a it's a vagina. No, it's actually a horrifying monster. <laughs> yeah, those are the best ones. But yeah, so that's... so this thing starts running around the oh. city knocking off these smoke kaiju heads like a couple like a drunk hillbilly in a car with a baseball bat and a bunch of mailboxes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's and it's just like cackling horrifyingly. It's, oh, it's so it is, distressing it in a way unsettling. none of them have been until now. Yeah, well, um there there are some Ultraman monsters that have weird laughs like mm-hmm. Voltan, but this isn't like any I can particularly think of. It it's more disturbing and creepier, the cackle. Ugh. I mean, I I feel like it is really more of an angel than than any like just about anything else that's certainly been in this series so far. Yeah, it feels like something that isn't you know like a cool monster, a cool iconic monster that she'd have on her shelves. This is like this is an actual fucked up thing that like this isn't cool. You probably don't want the the figure of this one. Mm-hmm. This is like something that was hidden away like inside. It's like an expression, maybe, of something like more subconscious, as uh, as, as as Rob was saying. This is the edgy thirteen-year-old fanfic, and it's out of control. <laughs> I feel like this is the bad idea underlying the edgy thirteen-year-old fanfic. Yes, you know Ooh, the fanfic has yeah. the cool monsters, but actually, like, what's underneath that? Nothing good. No, no. Horrible, horrible things. So it's, uh, you know, it's time for Gridman to fight this guy, and he certainly tries, but it makes very short work of him, and then just starts pulling items of clothing off him. And it's just blow, it just like blows him up with a beam. I mean, like half the city. Yeah, it's extraordinarily, and, and again, just like they were commenting that it was really weak before, and now they're like, wow, this one is ridiculously strong. And yeah, starts pulling off his his clothing. Tears his friends off. Yeah, rips off the Evangelion high schoolers, and and the explosions are kind of like um cross shaped, or at least the beams before it shoots are sort of cross shaped. Hey, more Ava references. Yes. Oh, and we see something neat. Um, Akane saw them running back to the junk shop because she lives next door, and she we saw them access Flash from outside. We just saw the Flash through the door. It's like. Oh, they transform in there. 
which yeah. will come back in a oh, bit. Oh, this is where all my friends have been hanging out without me, and now it's the Steven <laughs> Universe movie. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I need to see that. Anyway, yeah, yeah as, as this nameless monster rips off bits of armor, the Evangelion junior high schoolers get kicked out of junk back into the junk shop. Mm-hmm. Un- until it's just the monster strangling Gridman. But now it is, it is Auntie's time to shine, and nobody, and nobody's going to crush Gridman except for him. And also, he's going to crush Gridman by being better than him. That's the best way to do it. <clears throat> well, uh, we we have hit more anime cliches, kind of two, well, three at once, really. Uh, the first <laughs> one is the true hero always arrives late. Uh, the, the second will be, um, your, your greatest enemy will become your greatest friend because only they can defeat you. The Vegeta effect. Always good. Yes. And, and then there's, there, there's the big one, which is a thing like from the first episode of, well, from the first episode, Auntie was introduced. I was figuring, okay, they're building this guy up too much. I know what's going to happen in the last episode, but then they did it in this episode. <laughs> he becomes... Anti becomes the anti-hero. My favorite kind. <laughs> I mean, he's he's gone yes. from early Todd McFarlane Venom to Venom Lethal Protector. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his ability to copycat anything um, takes it up a notch by... Like, he's been copying abilities from Gridman so much that to stop something that could even defeat Gridman... He has to become the Grid Man. Yes. Specifically, the Grid Knight. Knight. Yes. Yes. Because they know how to. Digression time. Make a portmanteau. Um, the design is um, okay. In in the original Grid Man series, there was an idea that um, what was his name? Uh, Takeshi Toto, the the kid that Kilo Khan was using to make monsters. Would make a, would have an alter ego where he'd be an evil grid man. At least I think that's the idea. It was a scrapped idea. But that idea was reworked and it was going to be Gridman Sigma. The, the villain of the first series, the villain human, was going to become a hero in the second Gridman series that never happened as Gridman Sigma. And some of these designs ended up being the color scheme that Grid Knight has. Mm-hmm. So it, they've taken left I, because in the original Gridman, there was like um, there was also like a giant dragon jet thingy that combined with Gridman, and I figured that's what Anti was going to become at the end of the show. But mm-hmm. instead, he becomes this other thing that was abandoned, this Grid Knight, which is a wonderful surprise. And it's like, oh, I was so happy for little Anti when this happens. <laughs> he finally, you know, finds his actual dramatic purpose in this show after yes. a lot of wandering and a lot of starving. Yes. And yeah. not being a kaiju, but not being a very good human either. Yes. But he can be... Something in between. A hero. Yeah. Also, again, his eyes are just fine in this form. Yeah, well, the eye is pretty much just the same. It's like... It's sort of like they wrapped Gridman armor around his kaiju form and squished him down. He's got like the same eye, the color scheme's a lot similar, but it is, it's Gridman, but cool for the 90s. 
Although Gridman yes. was from the nineties, wasn't? I, yeah, I was gonna say I thought Gridman was already cool for the nineties. Gridman was 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 Ultraman cool for the nineties? Yeah. I, it, it's like how they had to come up with a an extreme version of characters who were already from the nineties, like Nightwatch. <laughs> no. Anyway, Grid Knight makes fairly short work of this nightmarish abomination. Well, yeah, because he goes upon an internal monologue about realizing that, oh, th- this is Akane's heart, and he's become more human. And as she said, she didn't want a kaiju who could, like, read people's emotions. But he wins because he knows her. Yes. And knows this twisted thing is what she she wants out of a monster. So he beats it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. By um, cu- cutting it in half by creating a giant circular blade thing, which is an old Ultraman attack. I, I, I thought I thought it was just a reference to mm-hmm. Xeno Warrior Princess. <laughs> no, no, Ultraman did it first. Uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, Ultra Cutter or something? I don't remember. Anyway, but the point is that 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 cutting beam is how. Alien Metron was defeated back in the old Ultra series, which he shares a color scheme with. But also, the monster in Gridman that Auntie looks the most like, Shinobular, the the ninja kaiju, was also cut in half in a similar way. So this is symbolic of Auntie killing his old self, his kaiju self, and moving forward to something new. Again, the metaphors. I love it. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, all is well. Everybody's going back to the, uh, everybody's going back to the junk shop, uh, just in time for, uh, for Akane to just drop in like she owns the place. Yep. She's yeah. figured out she, where they're hanging out without her. Literally meters away. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she has those she- big, she had those big Optimus Prime ear headphones on, so she yes. couldn't hear them over there, access flashing all the time while she was doing stuff. And it turns out she kind of thought Utsumi was Gridman. Nope. Uh, well, isn't that what she says? No, I bet she didn't realize how was or how it worked. Well, she didn't realize that they needed junk and stuff. Right. That they just. The, the, the whole process, like it was more involved. It's like, oh, you need this piece of junk, and you gotta come here, and 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 she said something about like junk collecting there, which yes. had me thinking, like, th- yeah, this shop collects junk, including people. These are kind of people she has thrown away intentionally or not, who have just collected in this junk shop right next to her trash house. She might as well be the size of a kaiju for all the shade she is casting (laughs) on these people. Yeah, yeah, because they they try and uh, you know they try and get at her. You know, you know, if you're so omnipotent, why didn't you know all this? And she's like, you know, do you keep track of all the the junk you throw away? Ah, it's so mean. There's no coming back from that, Burns. No, you are not friends anymore. Oh. So she, uh, you know, we we get an unexpected hug. She, uh, you know, she uh, she hugs our boy Utah, and 
I missed this on my first viewing. Initially, I thought she just whispered something to him and he fell over like in that Radiohead video. <laughs> no. Oh. But in fact, she just shanks him. Yes. Yeah, um, foreshadowing that's been in the opening animation since the very beginning <laughs> of that little, little, um, uh, cutting hobby knife. knife. Thing. Uh, box knife. Yeah, yeah safety knife. It, it, it's it's been there waiting ominously and here it's used although we only see it for like five frames as he falls away and it quickly cuts to black yeah and i i had to i had to zapruder this i first i thought she whispered something made him clacks and then i wondered if she had like like a like a shoe in her or a knife in her shoe like rosa kleb <laughs> no. it's definitely a really oh. unexpected level of violence like this is this is not a kaiju fight. This is not big dramatic superheroes. This is a knife. Yeah. Everything. And nothing in this has set up for this. Like, there's like hints, but you're not expecting just blood. No. Yeah, everything up to this point, all the violence has been carried out by basically proxies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been fun. Yes. It's been cool violence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, even um, uh, uh, Starscream Chan and Soundwave Chan say, as as the other kids say, oh, there's a kaiju outside and they're leaving. It's like, oh, they're having fun. Yes. <laughs> but the end of the episode is, I I think, unless I'm misremembering, um, towards the end of the original Gridman, I think the, the Toto kid found out who the kids were that were do, being Gridman and stuff like this. And he was going to stab them. But he gets stopped and talked out of it, I think. So this is just taking that idea and going through with it. And now we have to have two more episodes. How? I I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen from here, because that is precisely where the episode ends. This was absolutely yes. the point, and I know that Rob has been intentionally being the one to stay away from doing this, uh, but this was the point where I was like, well, I'm finishing this tonight. <laughs> Just when I originally watched it a couple months ago, this was the point where I was like, well, I'm going to finish this now. I have to watch the rest oh, of Oh, I was watching this week by week, and that was a very long week. Oh, I bet. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. watching this month by month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you get it worse. So, yeah, I guess the show's over from, from the rest of the series. It's just going to be a blank screen. Yeah, no, he's he's dead. What what more can he do? Yep, he's dead. It's just going to be entirely two episodes of uh, anti and caliber fighting. That's what I would do. <laughs> and Akane leaving the lights off and not making monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's over. She doesn't need to make any more monsters. <laughs> So that that does it for this episode. This gives us maybe some answers, but uh, again, we're we we've sort of got some more questions. <laughs> yep. And I I'm the only one who doesn't know the answers, which uh story of my life, to be honest. Oh. Yep, we will not spoil you. But All yeah, right. this was like I said, this I Things got really dark in this episode, and I always appreciate it when things get dark. And I, yeah, you sure picked the time to pull me on. Like this is the real, um, this is the real heavy shit. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, 
That's sort of why I, I, I brought you on because this is where things get heavy and, and more metatextual video gaming, not not because there was a giant j- vagina monster. Whoops. <laughs> that, was, that was inadvertent. No, just, just picture a, a Michael Bay camera circling the four of us, and then at one point one of us has to intone that shit did indeed just get real. But yeah, this was. I I liked it. I liked the episode a lot. It had a lot of my favorite angry small boy, uh, and it was very dark. And that that kaiju definitely like upset me. Not in like a bad way, but like oh my god. Yeah, good. Good, very weird. Doing like what only this show could do. Yeah, you know because it's anime. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, so I think that should about uh, wrap things up. Thank you again for joining us, Christine. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a blast. We'll have to have you back. Yeah. Although uh, we're we're running out of uh, Gridman, but certainly for our next project, whatever it is, whatever Hopefully it may some- be. Hopefully I will talk anime with you in the future. Yes. All right. As long as yeah. we have David, we will have anime. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so please join us for more episodes of uh, Stasis Pod, the, the Transformers Prime colon Beast Hunters podcast in the weeks ahead, and join us next month for the penultimate episode of Superhuman Samurai Cyberpod. I'm really looking forward to the entire episode yes. of Anti-Fighting Caliber. Oh, on that, that that just reminds <laughs> me that I have no point use, I use the word anti-penultimate to describe this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's even more appropriate because anti was in it a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have. Which may yes, be entirely un- unintentional planning because, like... There are references to the show that sort of can be traced to um the Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad version that was brought over, but supposedly no one in Japan actually saw it. They just had, like, a list of names. I mean, I think nobody in America saw it either. This is true. <laughs> I watched it! I watched it twice! Actually, I'm very sad Tim Curry. that about a month before uh, Gridman, SSSS.Gridman started... Uh, Pluto TV was running it on one of their kids' stations, and they seem to have stopped not long after. And damn, what did they know? Maybe they <laughs> lost the license. They know that they they probably kind of did. I think it's on Toku or Toku HD mm-hmm. now, whatever that channel is, which is some sort of streaming thing that I haven't actually tried out because I think you have to pay for it. And there's enough other things with Netflix and stuff and Crunchyroll. Yeah, I don't, I don't absolutely need it. So I watched a couple episodes of it on on that, like shortly before I, you know, there was a new series, and sadly, again, it, it has not been showing up. Alas. Well, uh, good news considering that um, almost everything Ultraman is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> Eventually, they might put out Gridman too. They might. So, Return of Ultraman DVD when? Um, that's a good question. That should be soon because they've done uh, Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra. Oh, I was 7, thinking the Kidiaki Anno one now. When, when when do I get the high def version of that? 
Um, I'm going to say never or just wait until he directs Shin Ultraman, which is coming. Ooh. I want to do a double feature with that. We got to see like both of Hideaki Anno's Ultraman. Yes. Will it be perfect? Compare and contrast. Okay, if, if they if they don't put that thing he made on the Shin God or Shin Ultraman Blu-ray, I will be oh, surprised. That'll be the best Blu-ray feature ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm David. I'm Christine. He'll fix it in the edits. We have separate tracks. We'll fix it in post. I can fix it in post. I'll fix it in post. Not it's wee stuff. Yes, the the, the you yes. know the royal the royal wee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, let's uh, stop.